Okay, so welcome again to PVN students. It's so good to have you guys here. Um, as we kick off our new series, just for the month of May, a short series called Meeting Jesus. And the way this worked out was last week we ended our Killing Goliath series by meeting the woman at the well. Our Goliath was dating or idolizing dating. And so we ran into the woman at the well, but there's so much good stuff in there that we really just kind of ran out of time. And so part two of Woman at the Well has become part one of Meeting Jesus. So just let that sink in as we go. Um, so this is Meeting Jesus part one, and this is what this is about. Um, look up at me. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how do you really know you're a Christian? I want to help you with that. Should you, is it time for you to step forward and follow through with believers' baptism? I want to help you with that. How do I even know if I know who Jesus is? I want to help you with that. Jesus wants to help you with that. He doesn't want you to blind, blindly not know. And so we, last week we met the woman at the well. Turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to John chapter 4. And if you don't have one, please talk to me or one of your leaders, uh, and we will hook you up tonight, and that will be our gift to you, okay? So John, I said John chapter 4, right? John chapter 4, and we meet the woman at the well. Now this is so important because she is just called the Samaritan woman, or the woman at the well. We don't even know her name. Have you ever thought about that? We don't know this woman's name. This is a huge story. In church kid lore, everybody knows who the woman at the well is. But we don't even know this woman's name. Because she's not the point. In this incredible story, she is not the point. Her story is not the point, and that's what John is trying to drive home in his gospel. Because here's the thing, if the point of the story of the woman of the well, if the point is just the woman at the well, then that's not going to be able to help you at all. And, and this happens, and you, this is what this has to do with you. You will see this as some of you go off to college, or as some of you come into high school, or some of you, you know, we have conferences coming up and different things. You will see this in so many guest speakers and, and all kinds of people. When they give their quote-unquote testimony, you see the motions with my fingers. When they give these, their testimony, this is the way it'll work. If their testimony is 30 minutes long, 25 of those, I can guarantee you, 25 of those minutes is just going to be about the bad stuff that they used to do in their lives, that they say they're not proud of. Well, you talk about it a lot for someone who's not proud of it. And so you've got five minutes left. Two minutes of that testimony is usually about Jesus, and then the last three minutes is about how they're a new person again. Now listen, I'm thankful for what happened to them, but so quickly we miss the point. We focus on our own kind of woman at the well. But John's point by not naming her, John is saying she's not the point. The point is Jesus. If you meet some guy with a cool testimony, that's, that's fine. The woman at the well's cool testimony, that's fine, that's good, but it won't change your heart. If you're lying on the table in the hospital, like you're dying, like it's almost over. Hey, I got this guy, he has such a cool testimony to tell you. That's not going to help you at all. You need the doctor. That's who's important. That's the one who has the ability to heal you. And that's John's point. He needs to be the focus. So often, we take the Bible and we say, if you could just be more like David, if you could just repent like Zacchaeus, if you could just be more like Moses, then you can do better. But listen to me. 
the Bible's not about you. The Bible's not about me. Jesus is, the, listen to these, these comparisons. Jesus is the better Adam. And this is what I mean. Adam was in the Garden of Eden, right? And he failed his test. God told him, you can do whatever you want, just don't do this. And instead of trusting the Lord, Adam did whatever he wanted. Flash forward 2,000 years later, Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, in his own garden. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Peter, if I wanted to stop this, I could call down 10,000 angels right now. Jesus could have done whatever he wanted, but what did Jesus say? Lord, not my will be done, but whose? Say it like you mean it. There we go. Not my will, but yours be done. Jesus passes the test in the garden where Adam failed. Jesus is the better Adam. Jesus is the better Joseph. Now remember, Joseph sold into slavery by his brothers. But then at the end, Joseph gets all this power. Spoiler alert, I know, but Joseph gets all this power, and he sits at the right hand of Pharaoh, and he uses his power to help those who betrayed him. Jesus is the better Joseph, who sits at the right hand of the king, who forgave those who betrayed him and sold him, and uses his power to save them. That's Jesus' story. Jesus is the true and better Moses, who stands between God and his people. Jesus is the better Job. He truly was the innocent sufferer, who intercedes at the end to save his dumb friends. Jesus is the true and better David. His victory becomes his people's victory, even though they never lifted a stone to do it for themselves. Jesus is the true and better Esther, who didn't just risk his life, he gave his life. He didn't just lose an earthly kingdom, he lost the ultimate heavenly one. And Esther said, if I perish, I perish. But Jesus says, when I perish, I'll perish for them. Jesus is the true and better Jonah, who was thrown out into the storm so that we could be brought in. Jesus is the true priest, he is the true king, he is the true temple, he is the true lamb. The Bible is not about us. And that's why this short series is called Meeting Jesus. In Luke 24, Jesus tells the disciples that the entire Old Testament is pointing to him. Now remember, there was no New Testament at the time. So the Old Testament is all they had, and Jesus is telling them, all that you have is pointing to me. All that you have is about me. So what's it like when we meet Jesus? And we say that and and spiritual, but what is it? like when you meet Jesus. Look at John chapter 4 verses 7 through 11. John chapter 4 verses 7 through 11. Here we go. There came a woman from Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, if you knew who it was who says to you, Give me a drink, then you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Okay, so here's the deal. Remember, like we talked about last week, and we just said it, Jewish people have no dealings with Samaritans. This is what makes this such a big deal that Jesus is even speaking with her. They were not allowed to interact. Jews were obsessed with being ritually clean. And Samaria, remember, Samaria had kind of become a melting pot full of different cultures and religions, and nobody really knew what they believed. Wouldn't it be crazy if we lived somewhere like that? Jesus didn't... Jesus didn't... I'm sorry, Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. And Jewish men especially wouldn't talk to Samaritan women. So what's the point here? 
Jesus will cross any boundary to get to anybody. He loves you too much to let boundaries stop him. Even the boundaries that you put up around your own heart. It sounds so cool to say, oh, he's greater than racism or he's greater than you know, the popular and the unpopular. That's fine, but what about the, the, the things that you put up around your own heart? Jesus loves you enough to break through those. Jesus can save church kids. Jesus can save drug dealers. Jesus can save good kids. Jesus can save kids that are bored with church. He can save you if you love church. These were the cultural boundaries of the day. No Jew is to talk with a Samaritan. That's the cultural boundary. Now that doesn't apply to us, but we have cultural boundaries. What are the boundaries of your day? I don't know him. I'm not going to talk to him about the gospel. Yeah, we go to school together, but I don't know him. We don't ever hang out. I'm not going to invite her here. Because what, what, what will we talk about? I don't even know her. We're already having such a good conversation. I don't want to make it serious by bringing Jesus into it. That would be terrible. If I do this, they'll think I'm lame. If, they, if I do this, they'll think I'm the Jesus person. One of the, the, those are the cultural boundaries in your life. And one of the ways you can tell, how do I know? Here it is. One of the ways you can tell if Jesus really has a hold of your life is that you start to cross those boundaries to get to people. I, haven't, I don't know this person very well, but, I'm, but we're going to go for this because this is important. We don't hang out much, but I'm going to invite her because this is important. Do you really think it's important? One of the ways you can tell if Jesus is really in your life is that you start to cross these boundaries to get to people. You'll stop caring so much about these boundaries because the king of your heart doesn't care about these boundaries. Christ doesn't care about these boundaries, so he speaks to her anyway. And we see this in verse 10. Look at what verse 10 says. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus answered and said to her, "If you remember, it's wrong for her, him to speak to her. It's wrong for him to speak to her. And Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is talking to you and says, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, not only, now think about it. If Jesus can't even speak to her, think about how out of turn it would be if she asked him. But Jesus says, if you knew who I was, if you could really see who I was, that's, that's our prayer for you. Not that, not that you'll be a good kid. Not that you'll be here all the time. Will you see? Will you see who he is? Christ is saying, if you saw who I was, these boundaries wouldn't matter to you. I had a friend at Wesleyan uh, when I went to high school named Matt Hanlon, and his dad worked on cars for all these famous people. And my parents taught there, so, you know, whatever. But, but like... His dad worked on cars for like all these famous people, and he didn't know that they were famous, which is why I think he was so good at his job. He only cared about cars. And so like he, one day this guy named John Smoltz, this old pitcher for the Braves, comes in and like gets the car, and like gets his car, and Matt's dad like shakes his hand, like fill out the paperwork, blah, 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 and like, and then they left. And Matt was like, do you know who that was? And Matt Hanlon's dad goes, no. And Matt goes, that was John Smoltz. And he goes, quote, the baseball guy? And he's like, yes, those John Smoltz. And the dad's like, oh my gosh, starts like fangirling and gets all crazy. He, but he didn't know who he was. He had met him. He was talking to him. But he didn't know who he was. And Christ is saying, if you knew who it was who was speaking to you, 
If you knew who I was. Jesus is saying, when you find out who I am, when you know me for who I am, you won't care about these social boundaries as much. These boundaries, now this is important though. It's not just cool and uncool. These boundaries have defined her whole life. You don't talk to this group of people. What boundaries have defined your whole life? No way am I telling my mom about this. No, I'm not telling my friends about this. What boundaries have defined your entire life and you don't even know it? Christ says, when you see me for who I am, these boundaries will start to fall. The way you do life will change when you see me for who I am. Look at verses 10 through 12. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now her response. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank of it himself, he and his sons and his cattle? Okay, so here's what's going on. And follow this. It's starting to happen. And you can't see it unless you're really looking for it. It's starting to happen just a little bit. And for some of us, it happens this way. For some of us, like this happened in my life. When, we, when you meet Christ, it's, it's like that. It happens, and it's new, and, you're, and it's different. But for some of us, we are born again very slowly. Take heart. Don't fall into this depression hole if it's not happening. Some, for some of us, it happens slowly, just like with this woman. And she, so, so Jesus says, I would give you living water. And she basically responds with, bro, what do you mean you'll give me water? You can't. You don't have anything to draw with. This is a well. You've got to put the bucket down the whole thing. You have nothing to draw with, so you can't be talking about giving me water from the well. Jacob made this well and gave water to his people thousands of years ago. Are you going to be like Jacob and dig another well? Are you going to bring water from the ground? What water could you create to give me? What are you talking about? Jesus' response in verse 13 through 14. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water, pointing to the well, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But within him there will be a well springing up to eternal life. Jesus says, this water in this well, if you drink this water, you'll get thirsty again. The water that Jacob gave you, that a person gave you, if you drink this, you'll be thirsty again. Now, think about what this means for her. Hydration is not the point of this passage, okay? Think about what that means for her. You'll be thirsty again, which means you'll have to come out here again. And remember why she's out here in the middle of the day. Her shame. She is hiding. She's not supposed to be out here at noon. She's supposed to come out at dusk when it's cooler with the other women. If you're thirsty, again, you'll have to come out here again, sneaking around in the middle of the day. But the water that I give you, you won't have to do that anymore. Did you catch that? If she's not thirsty, she doesn't have to come out here anymore and sneak and be ashamed and feel like she's got this weight on her. Do you ever feel like that? This water I give you, you won't have to do it anymore. You won't have to sneak around defined by your shame. By telling her that his water is better than the water Jacob can give him, look at me, Jesus is saying, you're not dealing with Jacob anymore. 
I can give you water that no one else can. Look around at where you are, sneaking around in the middle of the day to get water. It doesn't have to be like this. Some of you are looking for answers in all the wrong places. Guys, girls, pornography, alcohol, drugs, these different things that you won't tell anybody, and you look to them for hope and listen, and you can take it or leave it. It doesn't have to be like this. Or some of you are at church every time the doors are open because mama brought you, and I respect mama for doing that. I'm thankful that she's doing that. But it's just not happening. It's just not. You're here, but it's not happening. And Jesus is telling this woman, and now through his word, he's telling you, listen, it doesn't have to be like this. I can give her what Jacob never could. And I can give you what no relationship, no substance, no website, no preacher ever could. It doesn't have to be like this. And she is starting to see what a miracle of God. Look at verse 15. The woman, so, so the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty and come out all this way to draw. Give me this water so that I won't have to come out all this way to draw. You can almost hear the... Can you not, can you not almost hear the exhaustion in her voice? She could have just said, so I don't have to come out here to draw. But she says, so I don't have to come all this way to draw. What a blessing it is to realize that your sins cannot satisfy. Her heart is starting to open. I'm so tired of this. You see that? Her heart is starting to open. Jesus is winning. He is prying open her cold, dead heart. The surgeon is getting in deep. Look at 17 through 18. So she says, give me the water to drink. I'm sorry, 16 through 17. Give me the water to drink. And so Jesus says to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. Whoa, he went there, golly, right? She asks for water. She asks for rescue. And he says, okay, go get your husband. What in the world? He gets, look at me, he gets right to the heart of the matter. He's, try, he's not trying to make her feel bad. He's not trying to be sarcastic. He's not trying to be rude. He is getting to the heart of the matter so that he can help. He is a holy surgeon doing an operation. I wonder how many of us actually think about becoming a Christian like surgery instead of just saying a prayer. Jesus is drilling. Look at verses 19 through 21. This is how she responds. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our people say that in Jerusalem, our people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. 
And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship your father. So he, she says, I want this. Give me this. And he says, Go get your husband. And she says, No, I don't have a husband. And he says, Well, think about it. You've had five husbands. And now the man you're with now is not your... He's, what's he doing? He's getting way too deep. And so she responds with, uh, I perceive you're a prophet. And she starts talking about our father's worship on this mountain. That has nothing to do with what, what's happening. She is trying to, not a joke, she is trying to change the subject. Jesus is drilling too deep. He's going after things that she's hidden from him, and we are the exact same way. We don't want this stuff in the light. It hurts. It's embarrassing. So we close that part off. And Jesus loves us too much to stop. He keeps going. He loves her. He wants her heart. He keeps going. And then it happens. Look at 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is... So they go this back and forth, and she finally she says, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. One day, she, she's done. She, he's, he's hit too hard. They're at the, you know, she's, she's just overwhelmed. And, and she says, you know what? One day, the Messiah is going to come, and he's going to sort all this out. And Christ says, I am sorting all of this out. One day Messiah will come. That's me. That's me. I am the Messiah. Now. He's told her who he is. She has now met the real Jesus. The real Messiah. She has met him. She knows him for who he truly is. And look what happens as a result. Verse 28. 28. And when I find it, we will read it. So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all the things that I have done. Is this not the Christ? So here, here's why this is important. The water pot that she's had to take with her as she sneaks around in the middle of the day to get water every day because she's so ashamed of being around people because of what she's done, this water pot, this thing that symbolizes her life, she's dropped it. That has changed. And now the people she tried so hard to avoid, what did she do? She goes straight to them. Two things happen when you see Jesus for who he truly is. Number one, and this is so huge, guys. Number one, for those of you who are dragging sins around, or maybe you have them and you don't care, two things happen when we meet Jesus. Number one, her shame is gone. Her shame is gone. She avoided these people, right? She's sneaking around in the middle of the day when it's like 110. She's supposed to wait till the evening, but that's when all the other women come to get water. She didn't want to be around them. She's avoided all these people because she knew what she was doing was bad, so she avoided them because shame is powerful. We talked about this last week. Sin leads to shame, and you don't want to see people. You want to hide it. It's safe. But now she has no reason to hide. She's met Jesus her shame is gone. She has met Messiah. She follows Jesus now. Why can, she, why can she talk to all these people now? Because her shame is what kept her from being around people. And now her shame is gone. 
but whoa, 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 now she doesn't, she doesn't know any Bible verses. I don't see her at Awana. How can she know, how can she know Jesus? When you come to know Jesus, it's not just a mental thing that happens in your brain. She's also not weeping. Note that. She didn't recite John 3.16 perfectly. She didn't have the perfect conversation. She's not weeping and wailing. There's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus is not just a fact that we learn and He's not just a feeling that we feel. Look at me. He's a person that you meet. We equate salvation to, well, they were crying really hard. Or, well, they've got all the answers. He is not a fact. He is not a feeling. Those things are fine, but He is a person that we meet. She didn't pray a prayer. She didn't quote a Bible verse. She didn't know any. So what happened? Here it is. A swap took place. She used to worship relationships and what people thought, and now she worships Jesus When you see who Jesus is, it's not just quoting scripture or saying a prayer. A switching takes place in your heart. You no longer worship yourself or your idols. Her shame is gone. And number two, last one, she's different. This is huge. She's different. Grace, okay, grace is invasive. Jesus is invading her life. Think about the word invading. An army invades another country. It breaks in. Jesus is invading her life because he wants her. He loves, he, because he loves her, he wants to save her. Getting saved isn't just a prayer you pray or a decision you make. It is Jesus coming into your life. It's not words that show change. It's actions. She leaves and goes into the city. She goes and changes. Jesus converts people from all over the globe, all shapes and sizes throughout the Bible, but the one thing they have in common is that their actions change, regardless of culture or background, good kid, bad kid, whatever. Actions change. And this is huge because I'm talking to a lot of church kids, my people. I'm talking to a lot of smart church kids. You guys know the answer. If I pulled you back there and we talked about Jesus, you'd do fine. If I gave you a quiz about Jesus, you would do fine, and that's good. But as soon as you step out that door, what do your actions show? Changed actions show that you know Jesus. And some of you have said to me, I've been a Christian my whole life. Well, have your actions changed, though? Or do you continue to do the same sinful things that you've always done, and yet you call yourself a Christian? That's not words. That's that's not action. That's words. And you don't know Jesus if that's the case. And so you say, well, how do I fix it? That's exactly the point. You don't. He does. That's why invasive grace is a good thing. It's a wonderful thing that he would break into our lives when we don't expect it, when we don't ask him to, just like this woman. She didn't know who he was at all. He broke into her life. So if a friend or a, here it is, if a parent, pastor, small group leader calls you out on something, and we've got, listen, we've got leadership tryouts coming up. Tryouts. We've got leadership interviews coming up, right? 
We've got leadership coming up. And upperclassmen, as in, I'm saying sophomore and above, you're a leader whether you want to be or not. And I don't mean that in a, in a mean way. I'm saying they look to you whether you want them to or not. So if a, if a leader comes to you, if a small group person comes to you, and, and, they, and they call you out on something, your first response is always, your kickback is going to be anger. I can't believe you're coming at me with it. Listen, that is not the proper response. This is God. When this happens, this is God breaking into your life in an attempt to help you line up the person you are out there with the person you are in here. It's God's grace moving in your life, just like Jesus moved into Samaria to get this woman. It's the exact same thing. We want Jesus, myself, the adulterer, we want Jesus to heal your heart, but He can't do heart surgery. Listen, because this is huge. This can help you frame up so much in your life. He can't do surgery on us unless He opens us up through things happening in our lives, through people coming into our lives, And when he does, he gets straight to the problem. And if that's what Jesus does, that's what we need to do with each other. We don't need to dance around it. That's not going to help anybody. If you have cancer, the worst thing the doctor can do is not get to the point. The best thing he can do is dig deep as he tries to get the ugly out. That's what Jesus does. And sometimes he uses painful events to open our hearts up. Sometimes he uses wonderful events to open our hearts up. And sometimes he uses, look at me, sometimes he uses people to open our hearts up so that he can get to the heart of the matter. Jesus is invasive. He will break into your life, and that is the best thing in the world. Jesus is invasive because he's not trying to change the surface. He's trying to change the whole thing, your whole life. C.S. Lewis, I've used this before. C.S. Lewis uses a wonderful analogy. Think about this. Imagine yourself as a living house. And God comes into your life. He comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can't understand what he's doing. You can, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. And you knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But then he starts knocking the house around in a way that hurts greatly and does not seem to make sense. Why would you ask me about my husband's? What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing a new wing up here, putting an extra floor in there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building in you a palace, and he intends to come and live in it himself. This room, and I'm thankful for it, this room is full of church kids. But I can't help but think there's someone here maybe who said, I've never heard it like that before. Can we talk? Maybe maybe you have never met him. Maybe his great love is breaking in for the first time. And he's using your mom to do it. He's using your dad or your grandparents or me or your adults or just life in general. Do you feel like this? I wonder how many of you inside, you, you, know, you hide it. You do a good job with the face. 
But inside, life is just kind of upending you right now. Don't, don't, think it's just, don't think it's punishment. The Lord is breaking into your life to open your heart up so that He can do surgery and make you even better. We would love to walk with you through that. And maybe it's happened right here in your seat tonight. That is my prayer. So let's pray together.